What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Game Informer Show, a weekly podcast covering the video game industry. Join us every Thursday for a discussion about the latest gaming news, reviews, and exclusive reveals alongside Game Informer staff and special guests from around the industry. I'm your host, Alex Van Aken, and today I'm joined by Kyle Hilliard. How Hello. you doing, oh, Kyle? I, I got ahead of myself. Hey, Alex. You did. What's up? I'm good. I mean, a little yeah. nauseated, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll get into why in a second. He's been playing some bad games, you know. Just he's sick of it. He's mm. sick to his stomach. We'll get into it. <laughs> um, and uh, joining us, returning guest Jesse Vitelli. How you doing, Jesse? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. You know, I was I always love coming coming on the show and, and talking with y'all. So feels good to be back. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a few months. Uh, thanks for joining us. You're gonna be. Walking us through uh, Wild Hearts later in the show, which is the new um, action monster hunting game that isn't Monster Hunter, uh, but apparently it's pretty good. So we're going to get into all of that. But um, actually, before we get started, Jesse, just real quick, where can people find you if they don't know who you are? Where do you work? All that kind of stuff. Just so we can quick introduce you. Uh, so I'm a staff writer over at Prima Games. Those people that used to make those sick guidebooks back in the day. Now we're a website because that's the digital age, baby. Just like us. <laughs> Hell yeah. And uh, yeah, that's that's where you can find my work and, and whatever else. And then you type my name into Google. You'll you'll find all sorts of stuff. Have fun. Go go down a rabbit hole today. It'll be a good time. Mm, yes. All right. Um, Kyle, why are you nauseous? What's going on? Well, Alex, I'm not really that nauseated right now. I I've been playing PlayStation VR two, and oh, and I don't by right out of the gate. I don't want to like imply that it was like made me any additionally or extra sick than your average VR headset. The I, normal amount of yeah. sickness. I I have my VR legs under me pretty comfortably. I've played a decent amount of VR. Uh, still, I play the quest to voluntarily frequently <laughs> okay <laughs> like i play a lot of beat saber and um so yeah and i've, I've been playing a lot of playstation vr too um by the time you're listening to this i think we have a proper uh review on the site we don't do like scores we don't do our typical you know one through ten scores for yeah. hardware we do grades and i gave it a c a c oh that's what i gave it yeah slower than i was maybe expecting <laughs> yeah me too and maybe that's part of my problem i guess it's like it's it's and i feel like i'm coming off very negative initially and like the thing about playstation vr 2 is like it is definitely an upgrade over playstation vr 1 like the headset is more oh, comfortable it's easier to set up the controllers feel a lot better it works a lot better the eye tracking is functional um it does look better than playstation vr 1 but on the like grand scale of like VR headsets and stuff, like it it kind of runs into basically the same issues that any other headset does. And I think I think with the PlayStation Five like power, and I was kind of hoping for more. You know, I was kind of hoping, and maybe it was unfair, but I was kind of hoping for something a little like revelatory and like feeling like virtual reality has come a long way, and this is where we are now with the PlayStation Five and PlayStation VR Two, where mostly I was just like, oh, this. This feels very. This is a good version of comparable headsets. Yeah, is is kind of where my that C comes from. Like it's not bad hardware. It's just kind of like it's it's just kind of a little underwhelming. You know, you kind of know what to expect. PlayStation VR it looks a little sharper. You know. All right. 
Yeah. Um, do you feel like it competes with like, so my latest, uh, I actually just sold my Oculus Rift S yesterday. Ah, congratulations. <laughs> uh, not to get a PSVR 2, but I'm moving to a new apartment. I was like, I haven't used this thing since Half-Life Alex. Sure. But uh, that was the last time I really dove into um, VR of any kind. So Rift S, I think, came out alongside uh, MetaQuest 1. Um, yeah that sounds right yeah yeah which i guess is a, do i have a meta rift s i never i guess the name change <laughs> yeah know. no one ever talks about the rift s they only talk about quest yeah but um how does it compare to that that kind of wave of because i feel like that wave was responsible for getting a lot of people into vr so how does the screen and uh it seems like psvr2 is doing a lot of the same you know on headset camera work that the quest and the rift s mm-hmm. kind of popularized where you're drawing your play space instead of you know sitting in front of some yeah it actually kind of does it automatically which is cool you oh, just really? kind of look around like that's that's kind of the the thing is like i like quest 2 that's what i primarily played that's what i played at well actually i played alex with a quest one right because i plugged in my quest to play PC. oh do link yeah. yeah and then i think i've i've booted it up a couple times since then with my quest 2 just to have a point of comparison but um i mean that's the thing is like honestly dude like if if you're if you come to me and you're like i i haven't really done a lot of vr i have a playstation 5 like what what would you recommend yeah my sort of i'm still gonna say quest 2 like get a quest 2 and beat saber and resident evil 4 and like you're in great shape for vr like playstation vr 2 is solid and it looks it looks a little better, right? The screen resolution's a little higher. But yeah. with VR, it's like it takes like these giant leaps to make a radical difference because your eyes are like what five inches from the screen at any given time. So it's always kind of gonna look a little blurry, a little muddy. And that's still mm-hmm. the case here. Like it looks better than PlayStation VR, but it's like it's it's still it's still like you play PlayStation VR for a while. And, you know, you get used to how it looks and then you take off the headset and you just boot up a standard PlayStation 5 game on your 4K TV and you're going to be like, oh, my God, this looks so much better. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's and, it, and that's not a PlayStation VR problem. That's a VR problem. Like that's no, no one's really been able to overcome that in a, in a radical way. Yeah. And then, you know, the pass through camera on PlayStation VR 2 is cool. It has a dedicated button, which is really nice. Um, Quest has you have to like double tap the side of the headset, which is like kind of inconsistent. It doesn't always work, but I like it having a dedicated button. And um, the eye tracking works really well, but at the point that I'm at, like none of the games have really taken advantage of it in a big way. Horizon lets you sort of navigate menus, and it's kind of cool that it like works. But I, I'm curious. It's something that like could be really cool in the future. Like I know before your eyes is coming, and that game doesn't track your eye movement as much as it tracks if your eyes are open or not. And um, I really like that game, but even I struggled playing it on a, you know, a computer with a webcam. Like it just worked okay. It wasn't perfect. Where PlayStation VR 2 has the potential to be like fantastic, you know, to work consistently. So I'm hopeful for that. But um, well, that's a big like, we'll see. It's like all I have for you now is like, yeah, it works. But what are the gameplay applications? I don't know yet, but it could be cool. We'll see. Okay. But you, as as part of this this whole review, uh, you've also checked out Horizon. What is it? Call of the West. Call, <laughs> call the Mountain. Yeah, call I was kind of. I was like waiting to see if like he's gonna get it. I mean, no, I, like I don't blame you for not knowing it. It's kind of a 
kind of a, a funky name. Uh, I finished Call the Mountain. Like we have a dedicated review for the PlayStation VR 2 on the site. And then I also have a dedicated scored uh, review for Horizon Call of the Mountain. Even I just paused on it now, <laughs> trying to remember what it was. <laughs> but like, man, God, I feel like I'm I'm just like hating on this thing so much. <laughs> like, there's like, the game is broken into a few sections, right? There's like walking okay. around and exploring, which is which is cool. And like, that's a really interesting world to just sort of, be in and look around at right it's got a cool aesthetic you look in the distance you see like robots that are just sort of like dying and being overtaken by nature and that's like a cool thing to look at in vr and then there's uh combat does it kind of get that sense of scale right yeah oh yeah there's a lot of cool moments where giant robots like break out of the woods and like step over you and then you there, there, there are combat scenarios where you're fighting these giant beasts too just like aloy does you know and i like those parts like the combat is cool there's like a good dash uh, mechanic that's well implemented. Mm-hmm. I mean, shooting a bow and arrow in VR has been done a lot because it's fun. Like, it's a yeah, fun it thing is. to do in VR, and like, it works really well in Call of the Mountain. In fact, to the point where I think, I think the game actually helps you out a lot, and like, hel- like it, it makes you feel like you're a really good marksman. Like, there are shots that I took against like flying robot birds and stuff where I was like game i think you helped me out a little bit there but i appreciate it because like it made me feel good about myself <laughs> it's like oh i didn't realize there are homing arrows yeah yeah exactly <laughs> and then like uh you know there's like vr is really good with for tinkering you know like picking up objects and kind of like holding them close to your face and looking at them and like the character you play as uh Rias, like builds all his arrows so you have to like put your arrows together when you get uh material which is like fun that works well in vr and that's all cool but like the majority of the game, something like maybe like 60 to 70% of the game is climbing. And I just oh. flat did not enjoy climbing. Like I don't like the process of climbing in VR because it's basically like this is an audio medium, but like you're basically just kind of doing this. Like you're like pantomiming a cat, like clawing at a, a sofa or something. And that's like the process <laughs> of climbing around. And then and just like visually majority of the time is like you're just like you know a foot away from a cliff face just looking for the next handhold and that's just like not that's just not that interesting that's like i want to like look out in the distance and see stuff i don't want to like stare at something that's like right in front of my face and so like i ended up giving it a six seven five because so much of the game is climbing and i didn't want to climb i just wanted to shoot arrows and explore oh uh, what is that climbing game for oculus the, the climb was the climb, yeah. yeah. But there which, was another one too. Which, I, but coincidentally, I also reviewed like for Game Informer when we. Oh, it was did? like one of the first Oculus games I played, and I didn't like that either. <laughs> like I don't, I don't like doing that in VR. I, I don't mean to. I, to I think sound I think of Stormland. Okay. Oh, Stormland. oh well, that's that's like you're flying. I think right. The okay. Insomniac game. Yeah, it might have been like maybe there was like a sequence where you climb. Maybe I played that yeah. a little in preview, but never like the full game. And I thought that was kind of a cool idea of like flying along the clouds. But um, yeah, and like you know, it, it's all functional, right? It's not that like the game. The game is not broken. It looks good. It works well. But like when the core part of the game is like a part that I just don't enjoy, that's gonna sour the whole experience. It's gonna hold it back. So yeah, PSVR two somewhat middling like <laughs> i always hate to be so negative but it's like the headset is is cool and i i didn't like the showcase game and yeah but you know what i booted up tetris effect oh, yeah yeah and that game is still great 
<laughs> that game yeah, like makes is. me cry in ways that I don't see coming. Like I don't expect it to, but it's like when that music is going and like you're you're on a good run with Tetris pieces, like that's that's good stuff. <laughs> Tetris effect is I think like a a religious experience the first time you play it. Yeah, um, yeah. Even not in VR. Just like it's just such a good game. <laughs> and there are and there are a lot of the games for PSVR 2 are is stuff like Tetris Effect. There are like proven VR games that maybe you've played before or maybe you're playing PSVR. Maybe you're playing VR for the first time with PSVR 2. So there's a lot of stuff to go back to and check out like Res and, and Tetris Effect and What the Bat and stuff like that. Um, that stuff is there. But as far as like original things, I mean, I, it's like basically Horizon. I, I think that might be it. And Beat Saber is not there at launch. It's coming, but it's not. It's not there yet, which feels like an oversight. Yeah, that seems weird considering how yeah. incredibly popular that game is. For I mean, for good reason. But yeah, and it's also like just if if you're if you're new to VR, it's just like the perfect like check this out. This is what it is. You know, uh, Pistol Whip I believe is there though, which I would kind of put in that same Ooh, tier. And I do like I, Pistol I, Whip. I think Pistol Whip's going to be there at launch. But yeah, just just kind of overall underwhelming. But not not like actively terrible or, you know, awful or like this thing, you're going to put this thing on, you're going to vomit. It's just like, it just kind of feels like not the sort of progression of virtual reality that I was hoping for with PlayStation 5 and Sony. Yeah, that's fair. How, mu- how much is this? I feel like I should know this. I don't know Ooh. how much this is like retailing for. Like, I know it's out, what, next week? The February 22nd, I believe. Okay. So we still got like a week till this thing is out. I remember it being like very expensive. Yeah, I want to say it's five ninety nine or four ninety nine. I think so. It's, it's, it's five ninety nine. Maybe yeah, I'll just type in PSVR two yeah. pre order on top of comes... having to own a PlayStation five. Yes. So it's, yeah. Yeah. Oh. It's a it's a hefty. Oh my god! Yeah, it's five forty nine ninety nine for the base, and that comes with both the controllers and Horizon, or is that just? Oh well, now it's now it's messing me up. Hold on. Uh oh. Okay, so PSVR two. 550 if you want call of the mountain it's 600 okay yeah see that's man that's steep that's that's steep that's a it's, lot of money. it's cool tech that that is comfortable but it it's a lot <laughs> yeah yeah jesse do you have any interest in in psvr2 or what's your experience with vr in general so i have a meta quest one i that i got on like a black friday sale and then very shortly after they were like we're all about the quest two now. You, you know, you want to play Resident <laughs> Evil four, you got to get a quest two. And I was like, I just bought a quest one. What am That's I doing here? So that burned me. And then I think the biggest detractor for me for PSVR two is the wire. I don't know how problematic it is, like in terms of getting in your way. But like once I did like wireless VR, I was like, oh, I'm not going back to a wire. Having the the freedom of the wireless VR headset was like, exactly what i wanted and so on top of it's like price and then it kind of sounds like call of the mountain and like correct me if i'm wrong is like it's like okay you've got your climbing you've got your shooting gallery and you've got like you're looking at objects and sort of experiencing the world which i feel like is all things we've seen before in vr like there's we've it has a horizon you know look to it and that's cool i like horizon but it doesn't sound like the thing that's going to get me to buy the headset no i mean and there it is it is canon you know, like it is story, but I don't know. It's, it it's seems, a good story. No, it's it's just like separated from everything. Aloy shows up in the beginning. She says like it almost feels like she's just like, 
Yo, Hello. What's up? Welcome. You're Here's playing. How to use a bow and arrow. <laughs> Enjoy the game. Ashley Birch here. Welcome to Horizon. <laughs> uh, Welcome to Horizon. <laughs> Call of the Mountain. Right? Yeah, this is definitely a Horizon game. I'm here to confirm that, you know, but... Uh, Does it feel like a theme park attraction where it's like Aloy comes in, it's like, we're going to welcome you to the ride and now we're going to go do this thing for a couple hours and then you're going to kind of get off it and be like, that was neat, I guess. Yeah, it's it's a little... It's more than that yeah, okay. comp in a complimentary okay. well, way. Like, I mean, there's, there's big locations that you can walk around and explore and find things and there is a story about, you know, but it's like a, the small cast of characters and it doesn't really overlap with what Aloy's got going on, which is like the interesting part of that world. It's more just like, uh, this sort of criminal who's trying to find a uh, earn a pardon to track down his brother. And then there's like a little bit more to it than that. But like, it's not like, it's not like, oh boy, you better play this before the, you know, the next DLC or horizon three or whatever it's going to be called. It doesn't feel like that. Yeah. I, I think I was already pretty, I, I was kind of in sticker shock. Yeah. Uh, when I first saw the price for that. Cause I think my, like my rift S I, I know I keep going back to that, but that's my experience. And I purchased that for myself. I didn't get a review copy or anything of that. And I think I paid what, like three ninety nine, and that was like the perfect, I was like, that's a respectable amount. It's like the next wave and it can do a lot of the cool, you know, in headset uh, camera work so that I don't have to have the, the huge setup. Mm -hmm. I just can't imagine spending $600 on like a, a, a next iteration for a thing that already exists. Yeah, that it, that's kind that's what it feels like, right? On top of buying a $500, $400, you know, depending on which mode you want, which console you want, it just, it's a lot of money. I'm like, I'd rather just buy a PC and, <laughs> you know, or, or whatever. I don't know. And Jesse, you're right about that wire. Like I have, I've gotten used to not having a wire and, you know, you can get used to it. It's long. It's not, it's like 15 feet or something. It's, it's pretty okay. generous, but like. It's still there, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, it's like, wow, this, if this wasn't there, that'd be a little bit better. Maybe a lot better. Well, that's a bummer. Um, of course, people, I go and recommend them to go and watch, um, go and read, rather, your review of yeah. the PSVR 2 on the website. We're going to have a video review of Call of the Mountain going up in the next few days um, ahead of the launch. So if you want to see, here, Kyle's, you know, deep, deep, thoughts on the game and see some <laughs> gameplay as well yeah i ended up capturing I, like I a lot question. how did you end up having to capture yeah that was my question uh, yeah yeah oh, i put my cell phone like up in the <laughs> you know. i mean i just you know i just output it to gopro <laughs> <laughs> i just uh, i have my playstation 5 next to my pc and you know Do they output it in just like a flat look yeah yeah i mean you, okay. you basically see you know if you've watched if you've seen vr gameplay i mean you, you okay. know what it looks like yeah yeah Cool. Well, uh, be sure to check that out. Uh, let's get into the playlist. This is the part of the show where we talk about, well, I guess more of the games we've been playing. <laughs> we've already talked about some of them. But Jesse, uh, I wanted to invite you on not only to you know hear your thoughts on, on games in general and just to have your, your welcoming, warm presence on the show, but you have been playing Wild Hearts, uh, which is you know a new... What are we calling this genre of games? Is it just like an action? That's a great question. Game? That is an action a, a game. A monster hunter-like yeah. uh, action hunting game. I like them all. They all sound great. <laughs> yeah. Pick your favorite. You, you, you've been playing this game. Uh, I have a copy as well. Uh, I ran into some issues with my download oh, just no. because my PS5 um, 
really hates me. It it always like goes into this weird <laughs> mode sorry. where it like won't turn on, but there's the lights on. It's a great time. Damn, um, you might be you might be under warranty for that. You might want to look into that. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But I finally got it downloaded, and I'm excited to play it tonight. But I want to know what's in store for me, Jesse. So uh, regale us. What is what is Wild Hearts all about? So two things up front. One, this is not Sayonara Wild Hearts. I have seen people <laughs> people get those two confused, even though they are drastically different things. And two, I'm a big Monster Hunter fan, so this was like on my radar, and I'm like, oh, but it's it's Omega Force, so it's like different, totally like totally different thing. Uh, and then I started playing it. And like I was like, oh no, they just went and made Monster Hunter, but they have so many of their own ideas built into this thing. And so you know, the game starts you out, it tutorializes a lot of the stuff. If you've played or are familiar with a Monster Hunter game before, you will feel right at home with the like, okay, we're gonna give you long sword, it's gonna do big sweeping attacks. It's you know, your animations are very deliberate in Monster Hunter. And I feel like in Wild Hearts, they're a little less deliberate. They're, it's a little more fast-paced, action-y, uh, which I think for some people is going to be like a, a benefit for them. But where yeah. Wild Hearts really shines, I think, is they have this like building system that you can implement. So if oh. you're in the heat of a battle with a monster, you can put up a wall. Like you just build a, a box and it, you stack them on top of each other and suddenly you have cover to hide behind. But not only do you have cover to hide behind, but then you can scale the box wall that you've made and jump off the top of it and do like a special aerial attack. And then as you sort of slay more of these creatures and level your character up and go through the skill tree and, and all of that good RPG stuff, uh, you start unlocking different mechanisms that you can place around the map. So I got um, a spring that you would put on the ground and it kind of shoots you forward like a dash. But what I learned was if you're in the middle of dashing and you attack, you get another unique special attack animation. So I've been using the bow and arrow. And when you put a spring down and then hop and shoot, you shoot like a bunch of like like a spread shot. And if it hits the monsters, they'll stay there until you use a charge shot. And then it'll explode all of the spread shots that have been like stuck into the monster. So you start like realizing that the buildings you're able to kind of create with like one or two buttons uh, can be comboed into one another. So you start almost like building your own little like parkour jungle gym while fighting this monster. And you're like, okay, I'll build this wall, get up on the wall, jump to the spring, all while you're doing this battle with this like creature that's just... But the creature I fought was like, uh, it was called Rage Tail. It's the first monster you, you fight. And it sprouts up this like cherry blossom tree and it's this little like rodent with like a book like a ball tail and it's swinging it around very monster hunter like you know they have very yeah. deliberate animations you know when an attack is coming you know when you're going to need to roll out of the way all of that stuff but what really kind of struck me with wild hearts is i finished up the fight with rage tail or whatever the game was like great you did it now go back over here and continue the story and then I came back to that area like an hour later and all of the stuff I had laid out was still there. So the game oh. has this like persistence to it where when you build stuff, it stays in the world. So like it gives you that kind of death stranding vibe. Are you like loading out of the map and everything and coming back and it's still there? So it depends. So there's like two sets of missions. There's kind of like, so in Monster Hunter, it'll be like you'll go back to sort of the camp and then you'll go out on yeah. a Monster Hunt and come back. This game is like your camp 
is kind of in the world. So when you're oh, not right. on a hunt, you can kind of just roam around and do whatever. And oh, I like that. The game after defeating like the second monster, you unlock the zip line and you can kind of build a zip line and shoot it to another place and then you can keep it there. So you can build like a whole zip line network throughout the map. Oh and then God. you have this this stuff to use as you traverse and fight monsters. And you know, your friends come into your world, they drop a bunch of stuff down, you suddenly have these like weird environmental like stories every time you go back to an area and you're like oh this is where we fought x and y and i can see the big wall that i built and they got pokemon it, in this x and y. yeah i got x and y xerneas is there it's crazy wow. um but it's like it's really interesting and i'm not super far into it so i don't know the extent to which this goes but i was like kind of shocked when they were like oh here's the zipline network build your ziplines all around the map here your stuff's going to stick around and you have this camp that you build up and you add new things to all the time, like build a search tower that'll let you like find certain monsters on the map. You can like dry out meat to, to eat. And so you have this like big mm. like rack that just has a bunch of meat on it that you're like drying over time. You come back and check on it. It's got its own ideas to separate it from Monster Hunter while still sort of giving you the the itch you want from a Monster Hunter game. It's It's a neat thing. Yeah, you're early on. Right. Like acknowledging that, like, yeah. do you think it like, will it, will it steal monster hunter people away or at the very least like exist alongside it like, as I probably maybe the more likely scenario or do you like, does it, does it have the potential to compete? I think it does. But what, in what I don't know yet is like, if this is a game where you're going to kind of hit the credits, cause it, it does have a it feels like story is more of an emphasis in this game than in a monster hunter where it's like there's kind of a story but you're really there to just fight the monsters and then go do your thing i feel like yeah. people might hit credits on this game and just kind of be like that was a cool experience that was a cool thing that existed and just kind of put it on the shelf and maybe for not forget about it but not play it again where like monster yeah. hunter is very good about updating and you know they're always adding seasonal content and big expansions i i don't know what the plans are for wild hearts but i could see people like experimenting with this for a handful of hours and then kind of being like i got my fill i'm good and kind of maybe mm. putting it away but it it has enough of its own ideas that i think that some people might get like really into this game how many weapons are in the game is it like are they just taking monster hunter weapons and, and making it for a new game or um i know they have like their whole build system and stuff but so what's that sort of the main weapon what do those kind of look like so the game starts you with the long sword which is the the weapon that Monster Hunter Rise, the most recent Monster Hunter game, starts you with. But after you kind of complete the early tutorial, it unlocks like their equivalent of like the great sword, a bow and arrow, uh, okay. like a, a sword and shield. So it's like how Valorant pretty much used all of CSGO's guns. <laughs> yeah, but the game doesn't unlock all of the weapons up front the way that Monster Hunter does, where Monster Hunter is okay. like, here are the 13 weapons. You're here are the base of all 13 weapons. Pick one that'll be your weapon go this was like you have a list of like four or five right now but i can see like way more that are not unlocked yet and then from there is the skill tree where like you gotta hunt this certain monster to to you know get this upgrade to make the fire bow and then that can split off into like four other directions to go to the different elements so they've taken a lot of those systems for the weapons and kind of just done them but I have not seen the extent of how many weapons are in the game. I would not be surprised if there were 13 and they were very similar to the 13 in Monster Hunter, but I don't know that. Kyle, what are you, are you a Monster Hunter guy? I 
don't know your your history with the series. I apologize. Uh, I'll forgive you this time. Uh, no, I <laughs> I actually uh, would. Not, I'm not a Monster Hunter person. I I the most I, played... I feel I feel like you would be for some reason because I'm cool. I played uh, Rise, I think was the one I played the most, which the recent okay. one for Switch, which is like eight hours or so. But uh, we work with uh, Lele here at Game Informer, who's in production and does great work, who has long time been the office's Monster Hunter super fan. Like before it was Ooh. cool. Like she was yeah. online playing mo- the original Monster Hunter on PS2. So I would just always go to her for any Monster Hunter understanding. But I did play... Um, I played a little bit of uh, Wild Hearts like uh, back in when I was at GameSpot. Uh, one of the last things mm. I did there before coming back over to GameFormer was uh, like a, a hands-on preview. So I played like the first hour or two. And yeah, I mean, the thing that was impressive to me was like the tech, making the the sort of like the building and stuff like that. That that really made it feel unique and interesting. Um, but yeah. yeah, I just, because I'm just like never, Monster Hunter's never really clicked with me. I, I don't know that I'm going to find time for Wild Hearts, but... I don't know. You know, I, I've been wrong before about things. Maybe I'll fall in love with it. Yeah, I've kind of always been curious about Monster Hunter. I've kind of dabbled in the world, and I did enjoy Rise. I didn't beat it, but I uh, had a lot of fun um, helping with the video review on that one. So I played it a lot with Jay uh, in the early hours of that game. But yeah, I, I think um, the production value of Wild Hearts just like, I mean, it looks honestly, it just looks like really pretty and uh, their character designs and their monster designs um, have really kind of piqued my interest and um, and I got a code for what it's worth. Um, So I'm I'm, I'm going to dive in later today. I think it's 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 calling me. Um, But Jesse, anything else about Wild Hearts before we move on? Uh, One thing I did want to say is I've been playing on PS5. Uh, and I have not really had any sort of like technical problems or anything like that, but I have heard that the PC version, there's some, some, some weirdness going on over there. And that if you do plan on playing this game, it seems like the console versions as of right now might be a safer bet than the PC version. sounds like there's some optimization stuff that needs to get worked out over there. Okay. Well, thank you for the heads up. Um, Jesse, I don't mean to corner you. I don't mean to surprise you. Oh, no. We, I didn't tell you we were going to talk about this before the show started. Okay. Uh-oh. But it occurred to me that I haven't gotten the chance to talk about uh, Pokemon Trading Card Games Crown Zenith expansion yet. Okay. Um, and I very much want to. <laughs> and I know that I have... Any... Well, I'm going to go answer some emails real quick while you guys yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Uh, welcome to the party, Kyle. Is this but... the real reason you brought me on? You just needed another Pokemon card, sicko? maybe maybe um okay jesse i want to talk about crown zenith yeah let's do it and how it's a hell of a good pokemon expansion maybe my favorite uh in the last year and a half it's the send-off to sword and shield yeah yeah um so full disclaimer i have i was sent some uh product for pokemon tcg related to crown zenith but i also have spent like 200 dollars of my own money on this expansion i can confirm that yeah, yeah, it's it's a problem. Um, Kyle, I hope those emails are going well. Um, yeah, so I, I actually am responding to an email, not to be rude. I just want to knock this one out real quick. No, you're, you're fine. But yeah, dude, I I love Crown Zenith. I think it's the strongest since Evolving Skies. Um, and you were saying it's the send-off to Sword and Shield. See, I didn't realize, I wasn't aware of in the past, that they do these big send-off sets yeah. for 
the eras. Um, and so this is kind of like the greatest hits from what the last three years. Is that right? Yeah, pretty, pretty much. I mean, so the first sword and shield set would have been like 2020. Okay. Yeah. Cause poke, cause sword and shield was November of 2019. Mm-hmm. And then, so the first set would have come out like three months afterwards, or roughly around there. Yeah. So yeah, it's about three years of sword and shield sets. There's a lot of like, some of them are included in the set have already released previously, but they're like, you know, fan favorite cards. Some of them are like reworked art. And then some of them are like brand new. It's kind of like a, I feel like they kind of looked at like all of the great cards that people love from the past. And like, like there's a leafy on alt art or a leafy on ultra rare. in it. that's like another take on like one of the alt arts, that kind of thing. But yeah, what do you what do you think about the set so far? How many have you gotten to open any so packs? I have not gotten any Crown Zenith yet. I've been trying to be very good about that because there oh, is only exactly one card I want in that set. Which is it? And it is the comfy full art, which I think you have oh, two I, of. I, I just said I'll give it to you. Yeah. Under the stipulation that you fly to Minnesota. Yeah, which that is cheaper for me to just buy the card at that point because I think it's like two dollars <laughs> on eBay. Yeah. But no, realistically, like I love opening packs of cards. I love Pokemon cards, but I usually don't buy a set unless I'm like in person and I see it. And then I'm like, oh, it's in front of me. I now I'm going to impulsively buy this thing. Uh, Whereas in like online, I have more self-control about like ordering (laughs) cards, which I think is very good for my wallet. But I know it is at like PAX East or something, there's going to be someone selling cards and I'm going to buy like way more Crown Zenith than I need to and just open up a ton of packs. And I really like the Galarian Gallery this time around. Yes. Some of those cards are really good. They have started introducing, I think in like the last, the last year they've introduced, at first they were called the Trainer Galleries, which I think were they introduced in Astral Radiance? Something no. like that. Within the last year, they've introduced like these brilliant stars. I yeah, think. yeah. So essentially, they are there are like subsets within uh, a set. So in the past, past expansions, like they would include like shiny Pokemon variants, and you would have the chance of pulling one of those. Um, and there was like a certain subset within the main set that were shiny Pokemon and. Uh, in recent expansions for sword and shield they've had these trainer galley cards which are these really uh full art so the the art takes up the entire card and they typically like collaborate with like beloved artists some some internal sometimes they'll collaborate with like external artists and they're essentially like these like i mean they're art cards right like they you could play them if you want but like the point is to like collect them because like they are like visually very pretty to look at do they have like text and stats on them and stuff? they do but like oh. the focus is definitely like a lot of times you'll see like the text will kind of blend in um with the color of like the art gotcha um it's definitely not as prominent as like the other types of cards and um in crown zenith uh you've got the galarian gallery uh so it's like a lot of pokemon from the galar region it's a mouthful <laughs> yeah <laughs> At least they made it like an alliteration. This yeah, time. Yeah. It's a little easier. And so, for instance, like there's like a really like Jesse said, like Comfy is a Pokemon, a flower Pokemon. And the, the the full art card is like a bunch of flowers and it's comfy. There's a really cool one that I like and it's like a pair of cards. Uh, there's an Electivire card 
as well as a uh, Mag Mortar card that are both in the gallery. And so on Mag Mortar, uh, his card, he's like by a fire in the in the winter next to Electivire, and they're like, you know, just vibing together next to this campfire. And then on the Electivire card, Mag Mortar's on that card, but Electivire is the main focus. And they're kind of like building this little story, that like they're friends or whatever, and they're hanging out. But it's just like a a way to kind of appreciate Pokemon. Like there's typically like Mew. There's a really great Mew card uh, in this set uh, where he's like sleeping in this in this like little forest, this little grove. And there's like a bunch of Pokemon watching, watching the Mew creeping. It's creeping on the Mew. Yes. Um, But I've really enjoyed this set. I'm very much excited for for the next set, which is going to be the official kickoff of scarlet and violet and i i'm gonna say i was gonna do a video on this i decided to make it a podcast topic but i think now is like the perfect time to get into uh the trading card game again if you're interested because you've got this crown zenith set that um is kind of this big send-off they've got a lot of excellent cards to collect and you know i think like they've got uh the original like legendary dogs are in it a lot of the EV evolutions. There's a Mewtwo There's in there. There's a set within the gallery of, I think, like eight, no, maybe like nine or ten cards that if you put them all together, they like create a larger picture. There's like a lot of really cool stuff they've been doing uh, with this set. And it's kind of like a great send off for Sword and Shield. There's some really great like alt- alternate arts, which, which for people who don't know what that is, like there are regular card arts. And like, so let's say I like Pikachu. I draw a regular Pikachu. Well, I have a, a very rare chance chance of pulling like a secret rare Pikachu that has like a really cool artwork and it's like really rare. And, you know, it might have the same stats as the normal Pikachu card, but like it's a lot prettier and it's harder to find. And so therefore, you know, there's inherent value in that. But yeah, just like if you're, I just wanted to say if you're interested in the TCG, I'd say if you want like the freshest start, the next, like, I think in like, March, they're dropping the Scarlet and Violet set. March 30th. March 30th, yeah. So I'm. if you want to hear more about all this, you can follow me on Twitter. I talk about Pokemon a lot. today. I mean, I went and spent my lunch break picking up. I bought like a binder of cards from like this kid. I like, <laughs> met his mom at his mom's work and I bought his cards for 25 bucks. Uh, and I got, I got some good stuff. I got some like stuff from like 2010. Are you guys um, gonna play um, the Pokemon trading card game when it comes to Nintendo Switch Online? Like absolutely. Game? Yeah. Yeah, I will. That's a really good I've RPG. That's got... a really good RPG. Yeah. Yeah, that is. I think um, is one of my favorite Pokemon games. I remember when I was young, I I borrowed it from a friend and booted it up, and I was just like, I don't understand this. This doesn't. Dude, am no. I catching monsters? Let's go. <laughs> and then I went like back to Tetris or something. <laughs> no. <laughs> It is a proper like open world Pokemon game. Does it teach you the card game? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So instead, of, it is a proper Pokemon game. Instead of catching Pokemon, you are battling with cards and like getting new cards off of players you beat. Mm, okay, um, that sounds cool. And building like a deck. It's it's awesome. It is probably the best Pokemon spinoff in my opinion. Like outside of like the the core oh, games. Interesting. It's, it's definitely up there for sure. Yeah. Mm, Pocket tournament. Nah. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of spinoffs that I've played. <laughs> I think I reviewed that one. Uh, Mystery yeah. Dungeon. Have you played Mystery Dungeon? I reviewed one of those. Yeah. Not my cup of tea. Uh, yeah. Well, Pokey trading Park. card game is better than all of it. 
Arceus. There we go. Game Boy Color. Arceus is good. <laughs> I got a Japanese copy while I was in Japan last time for like oh, 10 cool. bucks. I was really excited. Uh, and then a month later, it's coming to Switch for as part of the service I already pay for. But <laughs> yeah, can you go ahead and buy a copy of Golden Sun Two just to get that like spent like that process of bringing it to Switch Online like <laughs> faster? Like, can you go overpay yeah, yeah, for I a will. cartridge for me? Well, I told you about how I accidentally purchased Golden Sun Two. Yeah, do, do it with the 1. yeah, do it with the sequels. What I'm saying. Now. Okay, I'll do. I'll get on that. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's the Pokemon Corner. It's been a minute since I talked about it on the show, but I'm I'm enjoying it. I was talking to Jesse the the other day. For some reason, Pokemon trading cards are like one of the few escapes I have in life that hmm. are just pure joy for the sake of the hobby. Like, do, do you like play the game or is it more just like you like collecting the cards? I like collecting the cards and I like organizing my binder. I organize it all based on uh, like the Pokemon sexiness. Oh, oh, OK. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, sexiness. No, that um, all makes sense. I totally get No, yeah. It's just a, a full page of Mr. Mimes when you open it up. <laughs> and one Mr. Rhyme. Just for, yeah. <laughs> but but yeah uh we did get some questions uh, about psvr2 sure uh that i wanted to, to get your thoughts on but real quick kyle we're gonna do our housekeeping it's part of the show where we tell you what's going on in the world of game informer uh we typically start the section off with a new podcast review uh, but we don't have one this week so if you'd like to go and leave us one over on apple podcasts uh that'd do a, that'd be a huge favor for us and we'd be sure to shout you out on the next episode uh thank you everybody who's listening over on spotify i see our our rating uh going upward uh, and i appreciate that i hope i wish i could shout you out individually but sadly uh spotify uh doesn't share that information but if you're out there and doing that we do appreciate you uh kyle is uh there a dino crisis replay episode this week uh yeah yeah we'll be playing on Friday um probably a proper two hour episode because I've been like awesome really busy but like and then you were sick well I was sick and then I was busy right it, it look we'll we'll get into it when that when we reveal the next cover <laughs> we'll talk about it. <laughs> okay fair. but uh, uh but 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 the the VR stuff was also a big a burden that is now lifted from my shoulders so maybe Friday we can actually play a full two hours of Dino Crisis uh, which I've been enjoying right. revisiting or not visiting for the first time I never played it yeah twitch.tv slash Game Informer and if you support us over there by subscribing to us uh, you just have to subscribe once and you'll get access to the Game Informer uh, community discord uh, we just do that so that we can kind of the paywall helps keep keep bad seeds out uh, but you just have to do it once and then you'll you'll get a, an, an invite and if you have any issues getting that invite you can email me um, alexvanaken at gameinformer.com uh, of course follow these lovely gentlemen here today you can follow jesse at jesse vitelli right jesse yes at one point in time it used to be mama vitelli right? no no we've had this conversation <laughs> had this like conversation every time you're on the show <laughs> like how yeah. we, it's just like no i don't know where you got that from so bring <laughs> it up again uh yeah follow jesse at jesse vitelli follow kyle at kyle m hilliard that's with two l's in hilliard uh and you can follow me at it's van aiken of course go and listen to all things nintendo which is our other podcast hosted by brian shea uh, which is a weekly Nintendo podcast. Um, he's been he, he's had some cool episodes lately. I mean, number one, there was that huge direct last week. But even before that, he was doing like I think he did like a 007 retrospective or a Goldeneye retrospective rather. Um, cool stuff. So go and check that out. Just to plug it a little more, this week uh, since like the day I've met Brian Shea, I have just complained to him and insulted him to his face. 
that he Ocarina of Time is like one of his favorite games of all time, but he never played Majora's Mask. Well, and yeah. he finally played through Majora's Mask like this month. And so him and I had a big Majora's Mask discussion. Uh, I can't that's make fun awesome. of him for it anymore. It's, it's yeah. like going on years now. And I, now I, I imagine don't... that's going to be on the latest episode. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. This, this week's yeah. episode should, should all about Majora's Mask. Uh, great game. Awesome. That's out. on, that'll drop on Friday, uh, the 17th of February. Shout out to Matt, AKA DJ Stormageddon. Uh, they are our podcast editor and help to keep the show afloat. Couldn't do it without them. Um, so go and follow their, their other podcasts. Uh, which is Fun and Games, which is like their general gaming podcast, and Reignite, which is a Bioware podcast. Uh, and then lastly, go and check out uh, the Game Informer TikTok account. Uh, you can follow it at Game underscore Informer. And uh, we've got some, man, boy, do we have some hilarious stuff over there. Isn't that right, Kyle? Uh, it's the funniest stuff you've ever heard. I don't know. <laughs> just, I just like to pull clips from, you know, various Gabbing things. and ghouling over yeah. there, you know? Yeah, Get yeah. to the gab. We need a thousand followers so we can put a URL in our d- d- description. So please follow us over there. At <laughs> a thousand followers, will you dance, Kyle? No. No, there's okay. no, there is no a line that will thousand. eventually get. No, it's 50 million. There you go. <laughs> okay, you heard it here. You heard it here first. 50 mil on TikTok. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, let's get into uh, the listener email section. Uh, if you'd like to submit an email yourself um, or or submit a question via the Discord, you can uh, to send us an email. Uh, just email us podcast at gameinformer.com with the subject line Game Informer Show Question. Uh, or hit us up on Discord, on the community Discord, uh, inside of the Game Informer Show channel. Uh, but yeah, this is the part of the show that you influence uh, what we talk about. This week uh, is all about PSVR 2. Elijah, parentheses, Paradigm the Fallen. Um, that's a heavy name, Elijah. I hope you're okay. <laughs> asks, will there ever be a poorer person edition for folks who got the first PSVR specifically because it was a decent budget option for VR. So wait, wait, Kyle. What, wait, what's the question? Will there is ever... there a cheaper version you think that's coming of PSVR two? Oh, because it is very expensive. Yeah. Oh man, no, no. I mean, I don't think so. Not a different version, right? Like this yeah. is this is it. I mean, you maybe wait. This is the only skew that we know about. Uh, maybe um, wait till you can get a used one, or I mean, it might go on sale at some point in the future. Black uh, Friday, maybe. Yeah. Or I mean, I mean. Like, I think I gave the recommendation Used? earlier. Quest Two, if you want, if you're interested in VR, I mean, that's it's not cheap, but it's cheaper than PSVR Two. It is. Yeah, I bet you could find a used P or used uh, Quest Two for like two fifty, three hundred. Yeah, even Quest One, Quest Solid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Legend of Gamer One Hundred Two asks or comments rather. From what I can tell, it lets you play regular PS Five games in quote cinematic mode. Am I understanding this correctly? If so, that's a big thing for me given how cruddy my vision is. I have to sit so close to a TV that not having to do that might actually outweigh having to keep the headset on. I get that the cord isn't too long, but I can work well within its limitations. Thanks in advance. I yield my remaining time. That is really interesting. You can absolutely play PlayStation 5 games in PlayStation VR 2, right? Like I was playing some Astrobot, not Rescue Mission. Rescue Mission is not available for PSVR two, which is a travesty. But um, Astrobot Playroom is that what it's called? Astro's Playroom. Astro's Playroom. Astro's Playroom. 
yeah, and the way it works is like in the headset, it basically makes a big screen for you to play on. Um, oh. But the problem there is that it's like, you know, it doesn't look nearly as good as what would be displayed on your TV. But for this commenter who has uh, vision problems, maybe that is the solution. Maybe that would look really good, you know, because it basically imagines a giant TV in front of you. Like, I certainly don't like playing games that way. You know, I don't think that's the best way to play any PlayStation 5 game, but it is an option. Hmm. Yeah. So I actually something I had in my review, like just a comment on it that was kind of along the lines of like, yeah, this is an option, but I wouldn't really recommend it. I ended up just like cutting it out because it wasn't that relevant or interesting, but it is. Yeah, you can. It's it's a thing. <laughs> can I watch The Last of Us show? That's what I was going to ask. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Like get the HBO Max app on your PlayStation 5. And watch it on a fake TV. I don't know. In the know living room in front that. of my real TV. It's like, do you guys remember when... Um, Xbox partnered with I think it was Oculus and they announced that you could play your Xbox games like in VR in the sense that you could like have what I'm talking about here like a, a TV that you would play your Xbox games on that sounds vaguely familiar I would yeah never like Phil that. Spencer was on stage and announced it and the audience literally laughed because it was very stupid and yeah. he seemed taken aback like he was like oh I, I thought you guys would think this is cool and we're like no <laughs> it, it's we like know. cool in I'm the sense sorry. that it's like oh you built this but like this is not super useful to most i'm people. getting rid of my tv i traded it in for a psvr too that's so that i can play in cinematic mode i don't know about tv that's an interesting that's an interesting thing i'll have to look the wii that. u did this already you can play on the gamepad somebody else can watch something on the tv it's great kitty daddy asks does it require you to have an absurd amount of space available play it like the first one and did any of the games give you or anyone else who tried it motion sickness after an extended play session it depends on the game right like what the bat is a game that does require like a six foot space to play um, and as a result i haven't really played it <laughs> like i went to go set it up and i was like you need six feet i was like oh so i need to move out of my office okay horizon on the other hand i played in a uh, seat i played seated the whole game i have like a drum stool that i sit on so i can still have the leverage of my elbows and stuff like that which is a great way to play vr by the way i highly recommend it's like a stool um as opposed to like standing uh so it it, it depends on the game but there is like a a more enclosed you know kind of option that i think most games are gonna um use yeah. Uh, nausea. No one else has tried it because we're all like remote and stuff like that. So it's not like we're in an office scenario where people could pop in and like try it and that kind of thing. I did experience the normal amount of nausea that I experience when I play VR games. Um, I was kind of sprinting through Horizon to try to get the review done. So I went, I played it more than I probably would a traditional VR game, like, you know, like a two hour session. And I did, I felt pretty ill afterward. I was like Oof. sweating and like, but that was like me. That was me pushing it because I was like, I think I'm at the end. If I kind of push this nausea, I can see credits and I can write this oh, review tomorrow. God. But uh, so it, like, you know, the, the normal amount, it, it there's a little bit of like getting your sea legs when it comes to VR. And that's that's the case here as well. Okay. Sea Raider asks, it felt to me like the killer app, the PSVR 2 was going to need to justify its existence at its current price point is going to be full-on first-party support with more titles like Horizon because, 
quote, here's another platform for Beat Saber and Pistol Whip, <laughs> is a hard sell for something that costs more than the console itself. Yeah. My worry now, though, with the, with its disappointing pre-order numbers, is that Sony may not give it the first-party title support it needs and that it could suffer the same fate as the PS Vita. So, two-part question. One, are my fears justified? And two, what do you think is needed to justify its price in existence if not first party support. Ugh, man. I think your fears are justified, frankly. Yeah. What would it need? Uh, first party support. It would need something from, was it Team Asobi? Is that the Astrobot team, right? Yeah. I always forget yeah. their name. Um, I mean, something great from them. I mean, Half Life Alex, I think, would go. <laughs> That's what Sea uh, Raiders said. Yeah. I think that would go a long way toward getting people on board because, like, as cool as, as Half Life Alex is, and as great as that game is, the playing it, it on PC, there's just like an undeniable barrier to entry. And if like, it's like, well, you you can play Half Life Alex on PlayStation Five, like that is pretty attractive for people who don't really want to get into PC. Like that's a whole lifestyle, sure. you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, but I've been hearing about this Half Life Alex thing, so I think Half Life Alex would take it a, a long way. I really hope they give rescue mission a nice port you know maybe add some new stuff Mm -hmm. i don't really even need a new a whole new rescue mission sequel that'd be great i wouldn't say no to that but like even like hey we re-released rescue mission on psvr2 we've added a couple new levels it looks better like i think that would help a lot yeah yeah i don't know it's tough i I, it's um and first party support would be great i'd love to see like a sony santa monica vr game in the god of war universe or something you know it can kind of be like horizon call the mountain where it's like a a side story kind of thing it doesn't have to be like a core kratos experience god of war photo mode where <laughs> yeah. you freaking walk VR. around I mean, I it's know. like it's so. called god of war one shot and you're the camera guy following them around i'd play that <laughs> you're lacking to yeah you are yeah. i mean they have yeah. a character in that game who's pretty dang good with a bow and arrow and you know you know what's fun in vr is shooting a bow and arrow <laughs> so that's yeah. true but yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like... You know what else would probably be good in VR? Throwing the Leviathan axe and recalling it. Oh, that actually would... I bet that feel Because it is fun to throw things in God VR. of War lumber, Lumberyard? Does the, does the <laughs> controllers... Do they have haptic in the VR controllers? Um, no. Uh, okay. It does have it in the headset. Okay, but um, not the controllers. Which... Your head, wouldn't that like, make your head itchy? it like makes it your head hurt vibrates. I, d- I don't <laughs> like it which is something i actually i, ca- I have a, like a separate so if you get punched in the game do you get punched in real life i mean the things that i've played have like really not used it very much and i because it's like i don't it shakes your head like it's not great yeah. i want a character in a game to come up to you in first person and shake your head and it goes in the bzz, game and then your head's just like yeah. Bzz, bzz, bzz. Yeah. yeah i mean Maybe someone will use it in an interesting way, but certainly because what would happen is like I was kind of feeling nauseated because I had been playing too much VR and then the thing would shake and it's just like, that's not helping. <laughs> yeah. have, you, have you played Immortality, Kyle? No, no, a little bit. The uh, where you're, You've thrown me off here about scrubbing through. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Army. There's yeah. like a mechanic in that game where like there's like an audio cue and like a little bit of a vibration on the controller. Yeah. And I'm wondering if you could be playing that and your head just starts to vibrate, which would make the game. That might be cool. Honestly, know. that. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds pretty cool. Thinking yeah. about immortality and the way that that would work is that's pretty neat. I mean, that you yeah. could go full like minority report 
right? For like immortality. Because the, the whole concept is you're an editor like ruining through footage. A video right? editor, yeah, yeah. So like film reviewing film. Yeah, that would that would actually be pretty cool, right? Like if, if they put you in like a three D space where and you, you can play have... it in cinematic mode. <laughs> yeah, you're sitting, actually... But you're sitting in a theater. You've got you're sitting in a movie. Yeah. That'd be all right. I'd check that out. Okay, yeah. here we go. We're gonna play that mode. You're gonna play yeah oh, i'm just picturing honestly you know you know it's the thing that i want from vr in general is like more ports like vr ports of games i love like resident Evil 4 is so cool in vr i love resident Evil 4 in vr have you played hitman uh no no i haven't played that because i had leo vader you know hitman fan number one seemed kind of yeah. cool on it so i it didn't really i didn't really go mm, out of my way to check it out same with borderlands as well and i didn't like skyrim wait hold on am i undercutting my whole point here but um the thing that like i saw someone do a mod where they did uh, uh metal gear solid in vr right you could Ooh. walk around shadow moses and i was like oh i was like that's what i want like video game locations that i am just intimately familiar with and know super well i'd love to walk around those in vr and like someone did a mod for half-life 2 recently a half-life 2 vr mod which you know is alex is a lot like that but that was another situation where i was like i know these levels so well it's so cool to walk around in these so like bring some old games to vr that's like that's what they need to do that's what's gonna make psvr 2 successful is like metal gear solid in vr hell yeah <laughs> <laughs> You have to physically sneak on the ground. <laughs> You're crawl, just crawling crawl across around. your living room. Yeah. Uh, okay, actually, maybe but it's on a treadmill. Maybe it's so a terrible can... idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mash start button asks, "Is it worth it?" Based on your limited experience so far, I, I feel like I mean that's a that's a, only an answer they can really yeah. come to. But you gave it a C, you know, and you've highlighted. I was you know, underwhelmed. Highlighted your points. Yeah. yeah. I'm just gonna say, as somebody who has doesn't ha, doesn't have experience, if I was to look at this and see a C and then see a price tag for six hundred dollars with the game, I would say no, or I'd try to find it used. But that's me, and I haven't played it. We're recording this at a, at a point where I haven't really read anyone else's impressions, and I am curious, like where I wonder where I'm gonna fall. Maybe I'm on the lower end. You know, maybe people really love this thing, and I'm just a weirdo. I don't know. But yeah, it's kind of a personal decision, as you said, Alex. All right, one last question. Poor and Curly asks, PSVR 1 was surprisingly okay while wearing glasses. How does PSVR 2 compare for the spectacle wearing folks? Here, we'll finish on a positive note. PlayStation VR and VR 2 is the best VR headset for glasses wearers. It's, it's, yeah, it's the best. I actually bought prescription lenses for my Quest uh, because I couldn't, I was getting frustrated oh, by wow. wearing glasses in my quest Dang. too but um just the way the headset works for psvr2 is like a lot of most vr headsets like brace the headset against your face like that's how it stays on your head but playstation yeah. vr is braced against your head you kind of wear it like a baseball cap and then the then the actual headset is like sort of sits in front of your eyes and there's actually a button so you can kind of move it forward and back and that makes it the best for glasses like you do not you forget you're wearing glasses when you're playing vs psvr2 where other uh, like Oculus Quest, if you're wearing glasses in there, you're, you're going to know. And I don't like wearing contacts. Uh, I'm, I'm a glasses wearer since like I was in fifth grade. So that is a nice, that's a very nice thing I can say about PlayStation VR 2. It is the best headset for glasses wearers. Awesome. Well, I think that's going to do it for the show this week. Uh, thank you all for listening. Don't forget to go and follow our special guest, Jesse Vitelli, 
on, on the social medias. Go check out Prima uh, and uh, go check out all their guide content and their reviews. It's a great website uh, and uh, it's a great crew over there. So go check them out and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye, everybody. Later. Yeah.